0: Hi, I'm Tanil and I'm Kelsey and we're financial advisors from Allman Partners True Wealth bringing you thought-provoking conversations around you, your money and your life on the Wealth Experience podcast. Decoding the jargon. So to the general public the financial world is full of complicated terms and confusing acronyms. In this episode of Wealth Experience we'll be breaking down some of the financial jargon so that everyone can understand what it actually means. But to make it a little more fun today for our listeners and for us too, we're going to have a little competition. So Kerry Wallace, our amazing creative director at Allman Partners, is joining us today, who's always the brains behind the scenes of our podcast and will be the mediator. And we're actually going to use the alphabet to do this today. So Kerry, can you explain the rules, please? I certainly can, Kels.
1: And thanks, ladies, for having me on. It's a bit odd being on this side of the table. We love having you, you, Kerry. Oh. Uh, Okay, so the rules of the game. You each have to buzz in with your name's initials. So shall we do a test on that one? T. K. Awesome. (laughs) I will pick a random letter and you must come up with a financial term that begins with that letter. Okay. You'll have three seconds to buzz in. And whoever comes up with the most answers or maybe even the most imaginative will be the winner. Also... You can't cheat. So no Google. Oh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> I always feel the
0: pressure going up against Danielle in a competition. Oh, I need oh, Google. That I'm setting help. myself up for failure. <laughs>
1: <laughs> You'll do great. Okay. Let's begin. The first one, G.
2: T. Danielle. Uh, glide pathing.
0: Were you going to say G? I can see you're about to go
2: G. It, <laughs> it was very hard for me to think of what I was actually going to say then. Do I just, do, do I do the letter? Do I do the word? And then I remembered the rules.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, so give us uh, your
2: description of glide pathing. So glide pathing, uh, it's where you alter the asset allocation or which is, you know, the amount that you want to hold in cash property and shares over time. So uh, for example, we use glide pathing as a strategy to lower the level of growth assets in a portfolio and add to the level of defensive assets. Um, And typically this is nearing to a point of access of capital. So, for something like retirement, um, it kind of takes a bit of that big risk off the table, particularly upon retirement, if markets were to go through, you know, a big fall or a big crash at the time that the investor needs to access their capital. Um, so, it can significantly re- reduce the risk of, you know, sequencing risk Um Kels, do you want to explain? I'll hand over to you. I Sure, can. So can I get the
0: I get S. So if we were going to say S for that, okay. Okay, I get all S right. Sequence
1: oh. and risk. That's
2: the point. <laughs> yep. I'll That's give you point. One point each. Okay.
0: <laughs> Should have just explained it's a it myself. One. <laughs> <laughs> um, so really, sequence and risk is the danger that t- the timing of the withdrawals when they're made from a retiree's capital, say, um, will damage the investor's overall return. So, for example, if you sell assets to fund your income in a time when the market has significantly dropped, um, that can hugely. Your capital, and you're really going to affect the longevity of your portfolio by doing so.
1: Very interesting. Thank you, ladies. <laughs> All right, let's move on to our next one. B. Okay. Girls. <laughs> <Kels. laughs> bringing it home. That I'm was quick. Well. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, anticipation. I've had time to think while you were speaking the first time around. So this is, I'm playing the game here. <laughs> okay, um, B.
1: Bucketing. Okay. Explain bucketing
0: to us. Yeah, so bucketing in a in a finance world, so that a bucketing strategy um, is where you don't have to pull all of your money together in one unitized investment. So rather, the, so the opposite would then be to have these separate buckets for different investment periods. So, for example, you might have one bucket that's cash, and that will cater to um, your income needs for the first twelve months, say, um, as well as another bucket for short term goals such as a holiday. Um, then you might have defensive assets in a bucket, uh, which is really your bonds and your fixed interest, which will cover the, mid, the short to mid-term expenses, um, because you're going to receive a little bit more of an income return on those, and you've got a little bit more time than immediate need, like cash. Um, and then a long-term bucket that you don't have to access for a number of years, which will usually include your growth assets, like shares and property, which is designed then to give you a good long-term growth to keep your returns above inflation. Very interesting. It's right. a long way Run what glide pathing is. Yeah. Uh, sorry, bucketing.
1: Mm, I like it. <laughs> okay. I T.
2: T'Neel. One for one. Index. It's two one actually. Oh that's making a little point. <laughs> so what's an index? An index uh, refers to a benchmark that investors use to measure the return or some of the other characteristics of their investments against Um, It's effectively the return that investors should be receiving as a minimum for investing into an asset with similar characteristics. Um, Our listeners may have also heard of an index in terms of index funds, um, and these funds typically provide um, investors with a portfolio that mirrors the index for a particular asset class they're investing into, and it often does it at a low cost and with low levels of turnover. Great. F tea fixed fixed interest fixed income okay <laughs> uh so fixed interest or sometimes fixed income uh what is it it's a well, it's a broad defensive asset class and offers investors income for their investments in a diversified manner. So it's typically using assets, um, including managed funds to give access to a number of bonds. Um, so in the in managed fund area, you know, things like um, giving access to bonds, uh, which are credit securities, which means they're in the cash market. Um, and investors you know lock money away for certain periods of time to get an interest coupon on the maturity of a bond but what's a benefit of fixed interest or fixed income is that um, you know over something like a direct set of bonds is that they're more diversified so in many cases um, there's liquidity you know you don't need to um, hold the money until the bond's maturity to actually receive the level of interest return so that's what a benefit of um, you know fixed interest is over direct bonds. Very cool,
1: and I suppose a lot of people have heard about fixed interest in relation to home loans as well.
2: Yeah, yeah, could uh, you know, fixed interest is also a term that relates to yeah, the the interest on a on a home loan and whether and or different loans and whether you take that as a variable rate or lock it in for a fixed period of time. So, you know, I don't think I've ever related the two to one another though so that's a smart correlation that you made there (laughs) Kerry (laughs) (laughs) I've never realized that. Kerry's trying to get a point. Oh can I take that one please? One for Kerry (laughs) hang on what is the score?
1: Oh okay hang on let me check at the moment uh three to Tennille and two (laughs) to Kelsey.
2: I'm not slowing down. You have to beat me. Come <laughs> on, Kelsey. Come you on. can do
1: Let's it. Go. All right. Next one is D K. Kelsey, You <gasps> <Knew it. laughs> were coming
0: quick. Then <laughs> wait, thinking, thinking. No, okay, I've got one. Um, dividend. Okay. okay. What's a dividend? So a dividend, if we're thinking in the terms of, of share markets, um, is the income that's paid from the shares that you own. So if you think about this in in in, in this way, shares are just the companies that external shareholders can invest into, which is what you do when you have a portfolio. Um, And these companies all aim to generate profits. So as a shareholder, you've invested in that company um, and you're entitled to a distribution of those profits. And this is in the form of a dividend. One interesting fact, though, that actually in Australia, many of the shares that's on the ASX has an attached franking credit to those dividends. And what that actually means is um, the investors avoid paying a double Taxation arrangement arrangement. So the company in which you are invested, they paid tax, um, likely up to thirty percent on the earnings as a business themselves um, that that the generate that they generated. Um, as such, because that's happened, if you then paid your marginal tax rate on that income, the total tax paid on that dividend could be up to a much as much as seventy seven percent, which is whew, significant. Um, so a way to combat that then is the company is allowed to attach what they call the franking credit to the dividend and that means that the investor doesn't pay the 30% tax on that dividend again because it's already been paid to the ATO. Mm. Um, so if your marginal tax rate is over 30%, they just pay the difference. And if it's under 30%, then you actually get that tax back. So I'm going to try and claim a double point here for
2: dividend and
0: franking credit.
2: That's an F. She didn't ask for two
1: Ds. But we've already had F. Mm. So I'm just... An- Carrie, oh. can I have that, Carrie? Yeah, I, I was actually going to award that Jeez. anyway because she's added in the franking credits. It's, you know, Is double the answer. You? Is she paying you, Carrie? No, no. <laughs> Just accept it, now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, come on, Taneel. You can get back in this one. All right. P. T. Oh, wow. <laughs> How long do I have to think about it? Yeah, three, three seconds. Three seconds,
2: come on. Passive income. Okay. Explain. Passive income. All right, so... If I don't actively participate in the activities of the business that's producing the income to me as an in, as an investor, um, that's passive income, right? So uh, this is often why, you know, investors will look to invest into something like shares because they all they need to do is put up their own capital to invest and then do nothing, sit back and get an income and potentially a growth return. Nice. And <laughs> it's not a very exciting word but it got me a point. So there you go.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Let's try one that's a little bit trickier. V. V. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay.
0: Value stocks.
1: All right. What's a value stock, Kelsey?
0: <laughs> so a value stock is one that has a low price to book ratio, and what that actually means then is that the price that they're listed at on the stock ex- stock exchange, so what you would pay for it, doesn't actually represent what they're truly worth on the company's book value. So if the company sold uh, privately today, they would actually sell more, um, sell for more than what the stock exchange is saying it would be sold at Um, so really it's it's undervalued and that's why it's a a value stock Um, and they therefore offer a a higher return possibility than growth stocks um, which is already well well established companies Um, yeah I think that
1: explains it interesting okay all right kind of that's good I get a point I think so (laughs) yeah
2: (laughs) Warren Buffett stocks yeah Value in investing.
0: <laughs> okay. No point for
2: that. No. <laughs> no <laughs> sorry. No. All right.
0: Moving on. L. T. That's not fair. I'll sip in
1: my water. Oh. Okay. Okay, you take it. Well, no, well, no, no, no nope, that's fine. Nope. We'll move on to the next one. Always fair in love and war. No. Okay. No, no, no. I'll do another one, and we may trick you up and come back to it. Okay. N. N.
2: T. To Neil. You weren't drinking then, were no, you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, negative gearing okay uh, negative gearing people like negative gearing uh, situation where the expenses of investing um, in a certain asset or portfolio um, and this is usually where you've used borrowed funds to invest into that asset um, so it's a situation where that results in an income loss the investor that they can then claim a tax deduction for. Um, it's usually attractive to high income earners to invest this way because it means that they're paying less overall tax as a result of that investment. Um, but what's important um, and what we spell out to, to investors is that um, you need to note that what's actually happening here is the investor is paying money out of their own pocket every year. In order to actually claim back some tax, so if you think about this, it needs to be very you know balanced very carefully over the long term um, or whatever the investment period is, because the expected growth from that investment needs to be su- sufficient enough to recuperate the lost money that you've had you know month on month or year on year from investing into that asset. Um, and yeah, for, th- for you to then be in front from negative gearing, you need to be expecting high levels of growth to cover that in the end.
0: Mm. Which yeah. is interesting because I feel like sometimes that's really overlooked because people get really focused on the tax back part. Yeah. People like to feel like they're getting tax money back. Yeah. Uh, but you've actually, you know, in some situations
2: ended up paying more money. You're losing more money to get tax back. That's right. It's like the, the dress that was on sale. I only spent $100 instead of 300 But you still spent the money on <laughs> a dress that you didn't need. <laughs> but what if you
1: really wanted it? <laughs> then you needed
2: it. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Convert it to a need. Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh Well, I had a situation similar to this uh, for myself and my husband. We had a rental property and it was negatively geared. And it was always nice when we went to the accountant at the end of the tax year. We always got money back. But... Kept saying to him throughout that whole time, "Look, you know, we're forking out all this money throughout the year. It mm-hmm. balances out at the end of the day." Mm-hmm.
2: So, you must yeah. have had a really good financial advisor. I did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 I still
1: do. She's yeah. amazing. Yeah, was. <laughs> <laughs> all right.
2: So, so I, what's the
1: points? Okay. We have points now. Most what? importantly, <laughs> we're level here. Okay. <gasps> oh, tiebreaker. We're on five each, girls. So, okay. Tiebreaker, L. T. Oh. <laughs> Neil, what is L? Well, I
2: had L before, so it was oh, already did. in my head. <laughs> oh, true. <laughs> and it was already in my head because I'm going to say large stocks because you said yeah, please, value you. stocks.
0: I, yeah, and I feel like you need to clarify. <laughs> I didn't clarify what that was, so yes.
2: <laughs> okay. Over to you. Large stocks. <laughs> All right, so a large cap stock. Um it's, you know, it's a similar theme here that a large company stock is one that's, re- you, a lot of people refer to them as blue chip stocks. So you, you might hear at parties, pe- t- people typically say you can't lose money with blue chip stocks. And what they're talking about is that the characteristics of this stock is one that it has a high share capitalization, So typically represented by a, a high share price and. Um, if we think about the ASX 100, for example, top 100 stocks on the Australian Stock Exchange, the, the top 10 holdings in Australia, because we've got such a um, a concentrated market, typically the top 10 stocks by size dictate a lot of what the share market does in any one day. And those top 10 stocks, most people are going to be aware of are things like your BHP bulletins and your, your Commonwealth banks. And, you know, there's a lot of mining up there at this point in time. So... Um, they, those type of stocks typically pay pretty steady, strong dividends over time um, and offers shareholders, therefore, a pretty low level of risk to invest in them. Because if I put my money with BHP Billiton tomorrow, I don't expect that they're going to fall over and not be there the next day. Um, so they're usually quite sizable, They give financial stability and um, uh, offer something other than what their counterparts in the small company stocks do, which are a higher risk. Do I expect to get huge levels of return (coughs) excuse me from those shares into the future maybe not because they've already made a lot of profitability um but they they give me stability and that's why people say you can't lose money with blue chip stocks in theory yes you're correct um so long as you've got diversification in there and all those factors too disclaimer (laughs) (laughs) very
0: good okay
2: do you concede I think i'm gonna have to <laughs> 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 all
1: right well that makes Tanil the winner congratulations Boop. Boop. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was pretty evenly matched i'll give you that
2: Do I have a prize?
1: (laughs) You just get kudos. That's all it is. Bragging rights. (laughs) Yep.
2: (laughs) Uh, Well, thank you so much, Kerry, for coming on and being our mediator today. We might get you on more often. Yeah. I'd love to be back. You added some really good insight as well, too. Maybe you're a financial advisor at heart. No, I've just had a lot of exposure to it
1: all Uh and (laughs) some wonderful teachers amongst you all. We're going (laughs) to
2: wait for the Kerry Wallace book on financial advice. Oh, Mm. no, you'll be waiting a while. (laughs) All right. Well, for everybody that's been listening, thank you so much for tuning in to what's been a very different podcast for us this time around. We hope that you found that a little bit enjoyable and uh, a nice way of getting to understand a bit more about the different terms that are out there in the finance world. If you come across anything that's unique and you haven't heard about it before, feel free to put us in a comment um, or some information and we will address that in our future podcasts. Thank you so much for joining Wealth Experience. The opinions of the presenters are objectively ascertainable and are not intended to be financial product or personal advice.